on episode 72 of Thoughts from the Shade, we have a very special guest who is joining us in light of the Eagles-Giants game upcoming this weekend. We'll also discuss MLB free agency. Uh, We'll take a look around the NFL. We'll take a look at the Eagles and the Giants. We'll take a look at the college football playoff rankings, the final four. And we'll also take a look at Penn State as they were selected for the Rose Bowl. Here we go. It is a rainy, shitty Tuesday evening, and we'll welcome everybody back to Thoughts from the Shade. Don't forget, wherever you're listening, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc., leave us a review, leave us a five-star rating. We certainly appreciate it. Um, off the top here, just an administrative note, no bomb tonight. Life calls, duty calls, and we have a very special guest uh, that I'd like to introduce. Uh, first appearance on Thoughts from the Shade. He is a great friend of the podcast, Bob and myself. He's a lifelong friend. Uh, he is also a New York scumbag, uh, but we welcome him this week with, with Eagles Giants to get some insight. Uh, but all kidding aside, one of my brothers, he rolls by the Elias Bob Party, let's bring him in. Bob, how are you tonight? What's happening? Mikey, first off, it's an honor and a privilege to be here tonight. And uh, it's a bigger honor to be that New York scumbag in your life. So thanks for having me. Uh, It's a little sad not to have Bomb tonight, but it's also nice to not have to babysit him. So uh, I appreciate that. Uh, let's Let's get it started, kid. Coming out firing at Bomb. You got it, man. He He came at our boy Chip, you know, so... Nobody comes at our boy Chip. What did he come at Chip for again? I can't remember off the top of my head. I think he, I think he gave a pretty horrible lock of the week, and uh, oh. let's just say it was pretty crappy. It, it was when we were in Arizona. We had Chip on Instagram. He nailed his college pick. He butchered his NFL pick. Uh, I butchered mm-hmm. my NFL picks this week, so apologies if uh, if anybody tailed. But um, no, you're you're not New York scum. Um, all around good guy. And that that's, that's why we had to bring you in. And for people that, that don't know, you, you've laid roots in Pennsylvania, in the greater Philadelphia area. You've been here since a very young age, uh, obviously being a lifelong friend of mine. So mm-hmm. just uh, fill, fill the people in, you know, it's, it's interesting with all, all the talk about Philly and Philly fans and how they treat outsider fans. What was it like, Growing up in this area, do you have any good heckling stories? How have you remained true uh, to your new New York roots? Yeah, so I moved from Long Island when I was like three or four years old to Doylestown and then grew up literally right down the road from you, Mikey. So we've known each other a long time. My dad is obviously a diehard New York fan, so he wouldn't raise a kid as a Philly fan. So um, I'm Rangers first, Giants, Mets, and Knicks. Nick suck. Who cares about them? So, um, yeah, just growing up, I was really that asshole, and I kind of fed off that. I would wear a Jeremy Shockey jersey, Jeremy Shockey jersey, to the uh, Philadelphia Zoo for my school trips with my boy Brooks. You know, we kind of had to band together, but I appreciated the heckling. It was great. Um, fortunately, really didn't have any success stories. Right? Eagles have always kind of ragged on the Giants. My dad and I, we were leaving the first, or I guess technically second miracle at the Meadowlands. I uh, had an ice hockey game. We're in the parking lot. We hear Eagles chants. My dad and I are like, no way, no way. We get in the car and we hear, and Brian Westbrook returned the punt. And we're like, are you kidding me? So that's pretty much my uh, my fandom in a nutshell right there. Wow. Yeah, it's. I, I always remember, you know, it's crazy how we've gotten older uh we've gotten a little more civil but we really used to go at it back in the day about all the teams oh. but I, w- I will say and I, I think you can attest to this and maybe maybe our listenership and the philly faithful will kill me for this but when the giants i think 
both times the Giants played the Patriots in the Super Bowl and won with Eli Manning. I was rooting for the Giants, man. Yeah, I was on the flip side. I was rooting for the birds. I wasn't crying like our buddy Cole, who's a <laughs> Steelers fan, but I, uh, I was rooting for the birds. It also helped having a little bit of money on them, but I was pumped to see you guys beat Tom Brady. I mean, everybody hates that guy, yeah. even Giselle, apparently. I think we're, we we were uh, I think we were like a plus six dog in that Super Bowl, if I'm not mistaken, and we we, we had a little outright cash. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, the, the Jeremy Shockey and you banded together uh, with our boy Brooks. That's uh, that's all good and well. I mean, anything else you want to say off the top here before we we dive into to MLB free agency? No, just uh, yeah, just a lot of scraps like wrestling matches and things like that. Nothing really ever got like too physical, but you always got to chirp the boys. I appreciate getting chirped back, so that's hockey player at heart so I, I i like it and you're just talking like locally like the neighborhood or the school like no, nothing down at the stadiums right um no, no i went to nothing, one nothing, Eagle, no physical giants game. no physical altercations down at the stadium no nothing physical you got a deer you got a beer dumped on you that once right um or was that was yeah, that brooks I I have. yeah no that was brooksy actually that was brooksy <laughs> That's, that's a, it's a tough, tough calling to, to remain a New York fan spending your life in Philly, but that's good stuff. Um, obviously bringing you on, you're, you're a sports nut. Uh, you're probably plugged in more to baseball than I am. I, I feel like bomb is kind of more so our baseball guy, given that he was a, a division two stud, uh, behind the plate, but let's talk about, uh, what's happened thus far in MLB free agency. Obviously we'll start with the Phillies, uh, inking shortstop Trey Turner to an 11 year, $300 million deal. I believe that news broke yesterday, Monday, uh, the 29 year old reunites, uh, with his boy Bryce Harper, uh, at Harper's request. Um, as a Mets fan, how does it, how does it make you feel? Yeah, it sucks, Mike. I'll be flat out honest. I really wanted Turner. He, he really filled a lot of our holes in our lineup. So facing him, what, eight, 11 times a year is going to be really tough, and he really extends that lineup. Yeah, I think, I don't know. I mean, obviously, Schwarber hit, hit a lot of bombs. He bat, He hit, like, what, 210, 220. Not really the ideal leadoff mm-hmm. guy. I feel like... Turner is going to solidify kind of the leadoff spot. Uh, the one thing that I, I've kind of thought about is obviously where he goes in the lineup, but also where is he going to play in the field? Like, is this guy dead beat or, or dead sold on being a shortstop? Because when I look at mm-hmm. the Phillies yeah. and I think about the gripes that we have uh, with some of our players – is it a situation like, and this is this is a far cry or a high reach, but is it like an A-Rod Jeter situation? And can you leave Bryson Stott at shortstop, put Turner at third, and then shift a Bohm to first base and send Hoskins packing? Like, is that, do, you, do you think that's a possibility? Is Turner that kind of guy? I thought they were pl- plugging Turner at short and then moving Stott to second. That's, that's what I'm seeing, is too. It, isn't that... It, isn't that or isn't that kind of what it always was? Wasn't Stott always playing second? He pretty much. No, nah, he played a lot of short in, in the playoffs in the, in the World Series. Um, but yeah, I think he played some second as well when when Segura was out. But it's just a thought that I have because everybody wants to pencil it in in December before spring training rolls around um, and before all, all, all the dust settles on free agency and transactions and trades and whatnot. So mm-hmm. just just a thought for me. Uh, but I, I have to say, like, pe- people, all, all different people feel different ways about, about the move. Oh, we yeah. overpaid him. Oh, his contract goes till he's 40. Bryce Harper's deal goes till he's 80. Um, but talking to Bomb about this uh, in his absence, to bring a point for him, like, he made a really good point. You think about kind of how the Eagles have been the last few years, the Super Bowl year, this year, the moves that they make, like, it's you can always get behind and support a team that is trying to win at all costs. And it's been a really long time Mm -hmm. since the Phillies have done that. Did it kill them with Howard and Utley and Hamels and Rollins? Like maybe 
signing those guys too long, keeping them too long. Yeah, it it, it blew at the end, but they won a championship. Probably should have exactly. won two. If you get one or two out of these Turner Harper years, then no regrets. Like you, you got to go for it. You just went to the World Series. You have young pieces. You have stud veteran pieces. And mm-hmm. another good point I heard as well is like people want to see pitching in, in Philly and, and the Phillies that add to the rotation or the bullpen. Um, but I believe like the strongest part of the Phillies farm system is the pitching. So. Mm-hmm. You lock these studs up for a long time. You, you hope that the arms come up and provide provide you the depth uh, and the innings that you need, and, and you roll with it. And you, you try to get back to October every year and just get lucky and make a run because I feel like that's what it boils down to. Yeah, I mean, as a Phillies fan, you got to be pumped that your owner's willing to dump three hundred million in a player that fits a lot of your needs which one is awesome and two that's just really the age of the mlb today right if you're not going to give him an 11-year deal someone else is uh apparently he turned down 42 million extra from the padres so it's a testament that he sees philly being a contender it really helps that his wife is from the area as well and he kind of want to get on the east coast but no, I would be pumped if I was a Phillies fan to get Trey Turner. He He's a stud, top 10 player in the MLB, and he's in a bat leadoff, Mikey. He steals way too many bases. you got to get him as many at-bats as possible. So that, that, that's where he'll be in the lineup. Yeah, he's, he's fast as shit, right? Um, yeah, dude, I think he had like 40 steals. And it's it's interesting that the nugget you threw in there about him turning down some more cash in the Padres. I think Ken Rosenthal. Mm-hmm tweeted that out today but it's just it's like whether you think the deal is too long or not however you feel about it if you're not uh rainbows and butterflies and ecstatic fireworks whatever you want to call it like you need to at least acknowledge that philly is now again a destination for top tier players Uh in the league and Uh we, we don't have that with hockey uh you could say we have it with basketball maybe i i i don't know um, but it's certainly something to be desired in the MLB when you really look at the teams in New York, uh, the Dodgers. Uh-huh. I mean, you, you got you got to be in contention to to throw the money around, and it's great to see from from Middleton, and then obviously uh, Dombrowski kind of driving the bus and, and getting these deals across the finish line. Uh-huh. My advice to Trey Turner: just don't leave uh, your house open in Philly. <laughs> yeah, it's uh. It's a little crazy down there. Um, how about we mm-hmm. talk about the Mets offseason a little bit and how you're feeling thus far? I'll I'll kind of breeze over the, the moves here, mm-hmm. at least that I'm aware of so far. Obviously, you talk about 34-year-old Jacob deGrom. I uh, feel like he's battled his share of injuries. Still a stud when he does pitch. Signs a five-year deal with the Texas Rangers for $185 million. So mm-hmm. he's headed south. Uh, and then to fill, I guess, that void to a degree, the Mets signed Justin Verlander, 39-year-old. Obviously, Phillies fans are familiar with him from the World Series. He's a lot better in the regular season. Uh, he gets a two-year deal worth close to $87 million. So how are you feeling about that swap in the Mets rotation? Definitely very bittersweet. Uh, you know, Jake was my boy. He gave the Mets everything he had his multiple elbows he threw out, you know, just being that workhorse. So I feel bad for him. Mets offense was anemic whenever he was pitching. They, how many times did they not score a run or score one run and they lose two one and he strikes out 13. Like that was every other day I felt like. So it's really sad to see him go, but don't get me wrong. But on the other side, Verlander's a monster. I mean, looking at his numbers, he went 18-4 and last year with a 1.75 ERA. Yeah, he might be 39, but clearly he's still got a lot of gas in the tank. He said he wants to play another three, four years, so I'm pumped about it. I think it's a really great addition. Obviously, losing Jake's a huge loss, but Max, or excuse me, Justin kind of slides right into there, so he'll be the two with Scherzer leading off. They're both kind of bulldog, super competitive guys, so I really think the Mets have a good staff. They just have a couple other pieces that they need to add to compete with the likes of the Phillies, the Dodgers, the Astros, the Yankees. There are a lot of really good teams in the MLB. I saw I saw a tweet. It must have been yesterday or like last night, and it must have been some Braves fan, and they're like, oh, watching the Phillies blow 300 mil on Trey Turner and, and the Mets 
you know, spending 85, 90 mil to get 39 year old Verlander all to try to compete with the Braves. And some, some Philly fan replied with like the bracket from the playoffs and like the three one Phillies over the Braves. So I thought that was pretty funny, but yeah, there are, there are a lot of good teams. Um, I guess what other holes or what are your other hopes for the Mets this, this off season? Well, center field. So the big free agent for them right now is Brandon Nimmo. He has been a Met his whole life. I want to say like eight or nine years. They drafted him in the first round. He had a really good year this year. He is the second best outfielder behind Aaron Judge. So if Judge does sign with the Giants, which there are a lot of rumors speculating, then the Yankees are going to go really hard after Nimmo. He's looking for like a five-year deal in in the 20 to $25 million range. So uh, I hope he kind of compromises and signs like five years and 100 for the Mets because he's their leadoff center fielder. And then they add, they need to add a, a th- a third pitcher, and then probably some bullpen help as well. All right, I'm I'm hearing you talk about leadoff, and I just I I know the feedback I'm going to get on my my Trey Turner um, dialogue there. He's got a bad leadoff, G. What are you talking about? But yeah, that's that, that that's why I'm not you know I'm not our number one baseball guy, but that's why that's why we bring you in, Bob. Um, I also saw th- this is kind of interesting, and I I don't know if it means anything or, or how you feel about it, but. Uh, you know, annually, it, it looks like between Turner, Harper, and, and Zach Wheeler, the Phillies are spending about 76, 77 mil, where the Mets between Scherzer and Verlander are spending like 87. And, and any any it. thoughts on that? I mean, it's baseball, right? Like, you you spend as much as you like, as much as the owner's willing to give. Uh, it, do, it really doesn't matter. Dude, we have Uncle Stevie. Uncle Stevie owns the Mets, man. They don't, they're not owned by the Wilpons anymore, so... We don't really have a budget. I mean, our owner is spending $170 million on a sculpture, so he, he said he'll spend whatever it is at all costs. They have changed the analytics department. They have changed – City Field was brand new. They put in all new 4K speakers and sound system and TVs. Like, he's all in. So it's it's a – it's an awesome time to be a Mets fan. Wow. It's an awesome time to be a Mets fan. I know a guy yeah. that, that wouldn't agree that goes – by the name of Frank Fleming. How do you feel about Frank Fleming representing the New York Mets fan base in in the social media sphere? One of the reasons that I honestly got off social media was seeing that slob, that slob on TV. So he, uh, he is disgusting and he is not a representation of us New York fans. <laughs> Dude, I'm a huge Frank the Tank fan. I I, I think his content's hilarious. I, I don't I don't understand his, his loyalties. He's what, Mets, Devils, Dolphins, and I don't know who's uh, – he might be a Nets fan too for, for basketball. But yeah, I, I, I think it's pretty funny. And anybody that that listens, I know we have some, some – Older listeners, uh, they're kind of like you. They're not. They're not social media guys. They're they're fathers. Uh, they're, they're husbands. You know, they're they're real people in the world. Unlike <laughs> unlike bums like myself. Um, but Fr- Frank Fleming, Frank the Tank with Barstool. You got it. You got to YouTube his first video when he was like on the news complaining about New Jersey transit. Like that's how he got on the Barstool. That's that's a must see YouTube video. I could, I can actually relate. I was stuck in suburban station for like 40 minutes on my way home this today. So that's why I was a little bit late tonight. So Frank, I feel your pain, brother. <laughs> yeah. We, we can't kill Frank too bad. Uh, let's, uh, let's turn the page and let's remind everybody you can follow us, uh, at TFTS pod on Twitter and at thoughts from the shade on Instagram. Excuse me. Let's change gears and talk a little ball, talk a little gridiron, a little football. Uh, obviously, the Eagles this weekend moved to 11-1 and one, uh, with what I would call a statement win over the Tennessee mm-hmm. Titans. Um, sadly, and I'll get killed for it again, I had t- Titans plus five. I'll give my rationale. Uh, one of my favorite sources uh, of gambling information had the Titans as his play of the week. It's been very reliable all year. Has made me money, uh, and I, I thought the Titans were not as bad as they looked on Sunday. And I don't think they are, and I think it's because the Eagles are a really good team. And if you just let me stay on my soapbox here, I know you're you're our guest, um, but you know you're you're here for the whole app. So I need to kind of explain how I've been 
covering and feeling about this Eagle season. And a good analogy kind of came to me this week, uh, especially after the beatdown against the Titans. And I kind of compare it to like a relationship. So this 8-0 start is like the new, you know, the start of the season is the new relationship, right? And then the 8-0 start is like the honeymoon phase. Everything's great. La-di-da-di, pie in the sky. It's all good. And then they they get that Monday night game against Washington, kind of a middling team, and you, you take it on the chin at home in prime time. And that's like the first argument or the first disagreement and, and the first red flag. And you're starting to think to yourself, all right, well, I, I can't go all in, you know, but let's, you know, I also can't run at the first sign of adversity. So let's, let's hang in there. And then you get the Colts game and they beat the Colts by a point. There's concerns we pointed out with both of those games. And, and then you get Green Bay and, and they write the ship, you know, they write the ship with the Colts and with Green Bay. So you're, you're feeling okay, but there's still some signs of toughness, uh, s- some things maybe you don't like. And then, I think about this Titans game as like the statement game and like the Thanksgiving dinner, just, just to even line it up with the time of year. And this is the first meeting with uh, the extended family, your crazy aunt, your drunk uncle, and everything goes great. You get to hang out with your cousins and watch the game and she's yucking it up with, with the girls and the ladies. And she passes the, the Thanksgiving test with flying colors. That's what the Eagles did on Sunday, they they played what many people thought is a good team with a strong rushing attack, a strong defensive front, and the Eagles beat the shit out of them all around. So, like, now, with that performance, I know I bet against them, but with that performance, like, I'm in. And I, I'm bringing the Eagles to Christmas dinner. I'm bringing them to the Christmas Eve party that, that you come to every year uh, at my, my family's house. The Eagles are coming, and, and it's going to go well, and, and I'm all bored and it, it, it's championship or bust. I don't know if I've said that yet this year for the Eagles, but, like, that performance at, at this time of year, I know you got Dallas left, but if, if the Eagles remain healthy, I don't even care if they drop the Dallas game. Everybody's talking about that game like it's the Super Bowl. Um, if they if they get into the playoffs healthy, it's championship or bust, and, you know, you, you get ready to buy the ring. What do you, What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think so, too, sadly, unfortunately. <laughs> um, definitely very bitter, but I've been kind of watching the Birds all year. They're a very good football team, a complete football team, especially with A.J. Brown, the way he stretches the field. You know, he's been opening up Miles Sanders' game a little bit. Jalen Hurts, you don't know if he's going to run the ball, throw the ball. The loss of Goddard really hurts, so hopefully you guys get him back soon, and then the defense is pretty pretty good overall so yeah i would be pretty fired up nfl's wide open this year so i feel like the eagles have a really good chance to win it all we, we took we took your boy bradbury yeah that was the uh, salary cap crunch unfortunately the old general manager signed him to like a really inflated contract so dable had to cut him unfortunately he's a he's a stud man He's been he's been very good thus far. Uh, just some other like notes and thoughts for me quickly on the Eagles. Um, uh-huh. I mean, just just to what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, extend or elaborate uh, or or rationalize kind of my feeling. You look at the Green Bay game; they run for over 350 yards. Get it done that way. Tennessee stout front. What do they do? They they, they throw it for over 350 yards. Jalen Hurts has a day. He's drop dropping balls into people's hands right into the bread basket. And I, I came on here last week after the Green Bay game and said they got to run, 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 run first. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tennessee was probably thinking the same thing I was. And then you got to give a lot of credit to Nick Sirianni and Shane Steichen. They, they come out with a game plan and just absolutely throttle this Titans team through the air. So it's nice to see mm-hmm. that those two evolve uh, and come up with different game plans and win in different ways. Um the only negative I think from Sunday was like the penalties. I think they had 12 penalties. I think 11 were like offensive infractions, whether holding false starts, but the defense, they stopped the run. Derrick Henry, 30 yards on 11 carries. I want to say doesn't happen to him often. And nope. then they just teed off on Ryan Tannehill. They have the six sacks. I mean, pretty, pretty boring game to be honest. Like, and I, I thought this was a huge game, a huge measuring stick 
and they passed with flying colors. They had special teams issues against Green Bay. Uh, Britton Covey has a huge game, over 100 return yards, I think second most uh, in the NFL in a single game this season. So a, a lot, a lot to be excited about uh, with the birds. So I'll leave it at that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I missed anything, uh, but let's talk about the Giants. And they're at 7-4-1, and one, if I'm not mistaken. They're holding on to that sixth seed Cut. in the NFC playoff picture, and they're off the tie against the Washington Commanders on Sunday. What what kind of transpired in that game? I was able to catch the overtime uh, where the Giants, I think they had it around midfield or maybe in plus territory by a hair. And I don't know if they were fourth and long or fourth and short, but they opted to punt. And then Thibodeau gets that sack. It looks like they're going to maybe get the ball back. Did they get the ball back? I, I, I don't know. I'm going to throw it over to you just to kind of break down that game and where the Giants stand right now. Yeah, so really anytime you tie in any sport, I feel like that automatically just eliminates you from playoff contention, especially, especially football. So I don't think the Giants are going to make the playoffs. They have too many holes, man. Dable's done a nice job kind of stabilizing the unit, but I mean, when you're throwing Lawrence Kager and Isaiah Hodgins and Ricky James out for Daniel Jones, you're going to lose every time. So this was an interesting game. It was a battle of lead changes. Giants went down 10, nothing, then they went up 13 and then they blew a 10, 10 or 13 point lead in the fourth. And then that overtime was pretty boring with Gano. I know it was bad for you and you and I fantasy teams, but unfortunately he missed that 58 yarder probably by about one or two yards. Did you see that the the TV like completely cut it off? Uh, Was it like an in short? I saw it. Yeah, it was, uh, it, it, it was almost there. It was close because it was online, right? Mm -hmm. So I was dead center. Yeah, It was dead center. Just, it, it was a hair short. Yeah, so this will be an interesting game against the Eagles. I personally think it will be a blowout. Adoree Jackson sprained his MCL, so he's been out a couple weeks. He was a really good lockdown corner for them, their true number one. So he was a really nice, not hidden gem, but he had a pretty bad year last year. And then they are getting Olare, Aziz Olare. I cannot never pronounce his last name, but that guy from Georgia, he's he's a pretty beast, beastly pass rusher. So he came back last game, and they have him at like edge slash outside linebacker. So him and Thibodeau make a nice little one-two punch there. Yeah, Thibodeau. I mean, I've watched some of the Giants. I know he was out to start the year, but he uh, he's definitely showing some of that potential as as the year. Mm-hmm. goes on I, I don't want you to just chalk, chalk this game on me uh just yet but how are you feeling about the higher day ball like is this a guy that you think can kind of mm-hmm. stay a while if they can mm-hmm. build this team right I mean you talked about the weapons that J- Daniel Jones has like I've watched more Giants games this year specifically early in this year than than normal and I don't think Daniel Jones is, like, that bad. I don't think he's, like, a world beater, but I, I think he's probably, like, an average NFL quarterback. He's he's mobile, which you kind of mm-hmm. are starting to see. Like, every yeah. everybody's a little mobile. Like, if they can just get, get some guys that aren't Kenny Galladay out there, and, and obviously you have, you have Saquon, they're building the offensive line, like – is, is this something to build around, or are you looking at the, the C.J. Strouds and the Bryce Youngs come, uh, you know, a trade maybe in the spring? So I'm I'm indifferent on Danny. Uh, it's tough. He's never really been given a true shot. He's had three or four different coaches, multiple different offensive coordinators. The last coach decided to have a QB sneak on third and nine to end a game. So that was kind of the old state of the Giants. I like the new state. I like Brian Dable. Uh, he's got balls, which I appreciate. He puts them out there, puts them on the line. I agree with his decision last week to not go for it. Defense was playing well, pin him back, have the timeouts. So I agree with his approach. Uh, and they should have won. Gonna really should have hit that field goal. But I don't know about Danny Dimes. He's tough. He's a good runner, but he just makes some boneheaded decisions. He does. Like Eli Manning-esque. He doesn't have the arm like Eli, so... I think you need to you draft a quarterback, but I like the pieces in place. I mean, the line's starting to get bulked up. Sparkly's been running hard. So, overall, I think they're trending in the right direction. Yeah, well, as, as we like to say on this show, as a Penn State honk, I'm I'm always happy to see Barkley 
doing well, uh-huh. even if it's for an NFC East rival um, with the Giants. So, man, you're you're like kind of done with Danny Dimes. I, I don't mean to go down like the the draft talk, but I don't. I don't know how you feel. You watch plenty of college football just like me. Fellow uh-huh. Penn State alum, we'll get to them in a little bit. But I don't think the Strouds and, and the Bryce Youngs, like these guys that they kind of pegged for the top ten, like I, I don't think that they are they are franchise guys or, or guys to build around. What What do you think? No, I don't. I don't think so either. I wouldn't trade up to get them and give up future draft capital. Honestly. I might kind of hedge and do like one more year with Danny Dimes, give him one more year in Dable system and Mike Kafka's system because I think that will really help. I'll give the receivers another year. Hopefully Galladay gets shipped out to friggin' Akron or somewhere far, far away. <laughs> he sucks making $22 million a year. It's like highway robbery with that guy. Uh, Wandell Robinson, their third rounder, tore his ACL after a 10-catch, 100-yard performance, and then they – Tony was a bust, so um, that's tough. They need man. to get a couple playmakers. Yeah, they, they they definitely do, and I think that's that's why I'm like not. I, I mean, you you watch every week, you you live in, and and mm-hmm. die with it, but like that's why I feel like Danny Dimes hasn't gotten like a completely fair shake with the New York Giants, and I think he has the coach now. He's obviously got the running back. You talked about the offensive line kind of starting to come together. Give this guy mm-hmm. some weapons and see if you can get somebody that can actually get open and actually catch the ball when they are um you think about or you look ahead to sunday uh eagles at giants one o'clock on fox eagles currently minus seven the total sits at 45 and a half i mean you know the eagles well you're a local guy you know the giants well i know you called for a blowout is there anything that the Giants can do to maybe slow the Eagles down or maybe score points with the Eagles? Like, is it what are what are the Giants doing well this year that's at least brought them to this point to be in contention for the playoffs? They have one of the best defensive players in the NFL in Dexter Lawrence out of Clemson. This is I want to say is like third or fourth year. He's an absolute monster. Um, so up front they're led by him leonard williams is really good but he's kind of on and off this year with some knee injuries um now they're finally starting to get some pass rushing help back so they have a pretty good defense wink martindale dials up a lot of blitzes he's really aggressive depends if they have a couple corners back they had three or four corners hurt last week so i'm not sure if like fabian moreau and cordell flat i believe out of lsu if they're going to be playing i definitely should we should check in on that because that definitely helps um and then xavier mckinney uh travis pastrama in uh, cabo breaks his hand on a quad he's out (laughs) like four weeks friggin' in Rob Deerdex fantasy factory. So he's like one of the best defensive players too for the Giants. So I'm not sure he's gonna be back this week. So you, That's a big loss. You, you think the only hope really is is somehow they, they can slow down the birds a little bit. Because they they are they are stout up front and, and I, I don't you know you rattled off some of some of the secondary players. I mean do they have anybody that can slow down the AJ Browns, the Devontes. I know Goddard's out one more week. He talked about Goddard earlier. I think he's eligible to be back against Chicago the week after this one. Yeah, he's um no, I don't really I don't think they're gonna be able to slow especially with Adoree Jackson out. He was their their true number one. Uh, I think AJ Brown probably probably will have a field day, unfortunately, on the Giants secondary. He's gonna feast again like he did on his old team. That was uh he scored three touchdowns. One was called back, but then he got, he got right in there. And then I don't know if you you saw the catch on the second touchdown. I mean, Perch drops in an incredible ball, and the the defender is draped all over Brown. I'm not I'm not clamoring for a penalty here, but the, instead of like my instinct would be to like push that defender away, and then make the catch mm-hmm. and get called for OPI. Like he just like. He like had his arms out like he was holding a baby and like the the ball just fell right into his uh right into his hands like the guy that w- that was catching babies down in in North Philly when that house set on fire a couple years back that was calling out Nelson Aguilar that that's that's what it looked like but yeah um 
And then I guess like the offense for the Giants, it's just been like Sa- Saquon and sc- scrambling Danny. Like, what what do they call him? Vanilla Vic. Yeah, yeah, Vanilla Vic. It's uh, Danny Dimes just tucking it in and running for his life, man. Um, I think he averages probably like 140 passing yards a game. He'll go like 13 of 18 for 100 yards, just throwing those six, seven-yard outs to uh, Isaiah Hodgins and Richie James. Like, who are these stiffs? I know. I, f- I feel like the last few weeks I turn the Giants on or they get, they get shown on, like, red zone, and I'm like, I don't even know who the hell these guys are. It's... <laughs> It's crazy, but I, w- I will say, like, I think the division games are always tough, and it's it's the time of year where, mm-hmm. where it's crunch time. The Giants have something certainly to, certainly to play for. The Eagles certainly have something to play for. They got the Vikings on their heels. Everybody, like I said earlier, is talking about this Dallas game as if it's the Super Bowl. So it's it's an exciting time, and we, ha- we haven't faced each other yet. So, I mean, I've – been betting against the Eagles and I'm eating crow every week, but the the division games are tough no matter how it looks on paper. So Mm -hmm. we'll see what happens. Uh, Should be a good environment up in the Meadowlands. Nice cold December day for some NFC's football. You got to love to see it. I have to, uh, I have to ask you, I was thinking about this Mm -hmm. before we hopped on. Did, did I, did I tell you before the season, about Jalen Hurts MVP, do you recall that in a text message or now? I feel like I you've been in Jalen's corner for quite some time. So, are you are you claiming that you told me that he was going to win it? I, I think I think I threw it out in a group chat, um, but but I will say I did not place any. That doesn't surprise me. I, I didn't place any money on it preseason, so you got to put your money where your mouth is. But I I mm-hmm. I, I recall texting uh, Jalen Hurts MVP and you, you giving a ha ha on that message. Yeah, man. I didn't think he would improve his arm strength that drastically. I mean, last year he was throwing ducks, like he was on duck, duck dynasty. And now he has some zing to his arm. And I mean, also really helps when he gets his buddy, AJ Brown in and he's got weapons across the field and a good line. So yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll eat shit there, Mike. You're right. It, it, it helps to have the, one of the best offensive lines. So I'll, I'll say the best offensive line. Uh, probably a top five receiver, top five tight end, uh, a top mm-hmm. five number two receiver in, in Smith. And mm-hmm. a sound running game that they can lean on when when they can just run it down people's throats. So it's it's been a, a welcome sight. Uh, you know, a lot of the Philly blowhards are, are hopping on and saying they were Hurts people all along. Uh, I think us here at Thoughts <laughs> from the Shade uh, can, can make that claim truthfully. Mm-hmm. And honestly, so Eagles Giants one o'clock Sunday. You, you want to give a selection? Do you do you want to give a, a, any selections? Do you have any a, anything on the docket? Um, I know you said blowout. Uh, are, you, are you locking in Eagles minus uh, seven? Yeah, I would. Um, I, I would lock in Eagles by probably at least ten. All right. Well, I'm gonna announce. I, I'm gonna announce to our followers. I will not be taking the Giants this weekend, no matter what happens between. Now Tuesday night and Sunday afternoon. Uh, I'm trying to think anything else of note kind of happened in the NFL this week. Obviously, it was pretty hilarious to see today the Tennessee Titans letting go of their general manager, uh, John Robinson. You think back to the draft when they made the trade, and you have the video of Mike Vrabel, head mm-hmm. coach, kind of standing up, looking real pissed off, and the GM just kind of sitting there. You know, like he's in timeout, like he just did something bad. And then you, you go up to Philly where A.J. Brown, you, you shipped him off, and, and he just absolutely takes a dump on your chest, and, and you get boat raced by the birds. So that, that that's pretty wild. Um, how about the Cincinnati Bengals and Joey Burrow moving to 3-0 and against Patrick Mahomes? Um, that's pretty wild. Obviously, staying in the, in the division, the Cowboys have the 30-point fourth quarter. On Sunday Night Football, Crazy. I mean the Colts are, are are just terrible, and I know the Eagles struggled with them, but like that that team, Matty Ice is just serving up Santa sacks, you know, a Christmas gift for you, a Christmas gift for you, a pick six, a fumble. It's a complete joke. Uh, and then Monday Night we had the Bucks w- with the comeback. Um, what a botch job by the Saints! They put Mark Ingram into the game 
uh, with about six minutes left on a second down. Throw him a nice ball in the flat. He goes out of bounds, one yard short, and then they come out on third and one, and they throw an incomplete pass on like a little slant. And then Brady leads him down back-to-back drives. And Tampa Bay punted the ball with like seven minutes left in that game. And Brady was trying to stay on the field. It was fourth and ten. He didn't look too hot, you know, angry about the decision at the time. I'm sure he was inside. He wasn't wasn't showing it. And then it, it, it paid off for them. And they, they get up to 500. And they're probably going to lock in the NFC South. But I don't know. Uh, obviously, the Jimmy G injury, that that's kind of big in the NFC playoff picture. I it was originally thought that he's out the year. I believe he's out six to eight weeks, so he could come back for maybe uh-huh. a later playoff game if San Fran can make it that far. Uh, but they look like one of the they looked like one of the challengers in the NFC. Um, but no, I mean, I, any, anything else on the NFL for you? Yeah, Baker Mayfield just signed with the Rams. Did you see that? I did see that right before we hopped on. Uh, I'm. I mean, what's what's the point of that? Is that like a tryout to be the backup next year for the Rams? Yeah, that would be my guess. But he, he, he's just a distraction wherever he goes. He's like the town bicycle at this point. Everybody's just just getting getting a quick ride and then put, putting them back on the shelf uh, for the next person to pick up. What do you think about this OBJ shit? I, I didn't have that kind of noted down, but like I feel like every week – these last few weeks, whether it's a Dallas game, like on Thanksgiving, we had the Dallas Giants, uh, Sunday Night Football, we had Dallas Colts, and all these people want to talk about is, is Odell Beckham Jr. And, oh, if they can add Odell. I mean, I understand the game was a blowout Sunday night, uh, and the game wasn't very close on Thanksgiving. Um, your Giants backdoored the shit out of me, uh, gave me that stuffing on Turkey Day. Happy Thanksgiving. But, like, What's what's with the hype around around OBJ? Like, did he did he win them the Super Bowl last year for the Rams? Um, like, he's off a torn ACL. I think Jerry Jones said today, or somebody reported that Jerry Jones said today mm-hmm. that he's not confident that the ACLs, you know, in, in shape, uh, back to a hundred percent for them to sign him. So, like, but what's the craze with this guy? He's a stud. Or he was a stud. Uh, got a lot of miles on the tires, right? Coming off a torn ACL. I was kind of blown away by his playoff performance that he had. And then he was had a great Super Bowl, right? He was on the path to almost being the Super Bowl MVP. He had that early touchdown, had a bunch of big catches. So as we were talking about earlier, the way of the depleted Giants wide receiver lineup, I would love to take a flyer on him just as long as he doesn't disrupt the culture and the way the organization is headed. Why not? But, yeah, he's he's pretty injured, and he's getting older. I think why not kind of give one give him one last try? Yeah, I guess I guess he, he is a good talent. I mean, he wasn't a good ad for the Rams. Um, and, and did yeah, was it uh, was it in Philly when he was walking in the end zone like a dog and then pretended to take a piss? <laughs> Dude, wasn't that Philly? Yeah, yeah. I, I think he got a fifteen yard. <laughs> Yeah, like no, I don't think anybody wants uh, wants that on their team unless, you know, it's a number one guy. Like Jamar Chase was kind of taunting the Chiefs the other day, and Zach Taylor was hot, but it's Jamar Chase. You th- you throw the ball within a twenty foot radius, the guy goes and gets it, and gets the job done with Odell. I feel like it's all the time, everywhere, um, and, and maybe maybe that's short sighted out of me, but it's it's getting a lot of hype, and I'm just like. Not understanding, but I guess he, he was a good ad last year, and if he's healthy, he could he could certainly help somebody. So uh, take that, Mike. Um, I'm trying to think what else what else is going on. Um, that's all I got for NFL. If you want to take it to college, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, for sure. I, we introduced you as a New York scumbag. I think we mentioned that you are a Penn State alum. Uh, you know, we were we were there together. Uh, we went to the Rose Bowl. In 2017, together, that tragic loss on a last-second field goal to the USC Trojans. Uh, how are you feeling about the Nits? Coming in at 10-2, and two, they get blown out by Michigan. They they spoil a lead and a chance uh, to beat Ohio State at home this year, but they, they finish 10-2, and two, and the way the cards fall, they end up in the Rose Bowl to take on the Pac-12 champion, Utah Utes. 
should be a pretty good game. Utah is better than most people think. I'm not really too concerned overall with them, but after their recent game against USC, their quarterback, I, I forget his name. Cam he's Rising. Pretty good. Dual th- Cam Rising, yeah. He's a pretty good dual threat. Good arm. Reminds me a little like Gardner Minshew. He does. Um, right? Kind of with that mustache and the, that hair. But what – I, I think we got a good shot. I mean, I love our, our two back system and our defense and ho- hopefully we kind of ride the dogs to another victory. What do you like? So where are you at in terms of like, like I'm very excited that they got the Rose bowl. I I, I think mm-hmm. people kind of shit on the non playoff games and people with the expanded playoff coming, they're talking about the diminishment of the meaning of the bulls. Like I think <clears throat> the Rose bowl is above all that. Like it's the granddaddy of them mm-hmm. all. It's the best thing to watch on New Year's Day. This year it'll be on Monday, January 2nd, 5 p.m. College obviously not going to compete with the NFL on New Year's Day. But regardless of who plays in the Rose Bowl and whether it's a playoff game or not, the Rose Bowl, to me, is is must-watch TV. It was a great experience when we went, a, a great spectacle. Um, but, like, does it feel... Like, you know if Bomb was on here, he'd be like, oh, that's a, that's a fraudulent Rose Bowl. You're getting two teams in the playoff. Mm-hmm. Yada yada, which like, and and I, I go back and forth with him, and I I understand some of his points, but like just overall, kind of the evaluate the season, evaluate the program, um, where where are we at, and where are we headed? I mean, after a ten and two year in a Rose Bowl, it's kind of hard to be upset. Before the year, we wanted college football playoff or bust, and then I think a couple of weeks in, we were a little bit more realistic, and double digit wins would have been a very big success on the season. I think we're trending in the right direction. And the reason for that is the offensive line has taken enormous strides forward this year. I mean, look at Ole coming out of nowhere to be a top 10 pick. And the fact that he is foregoing 25 to 30 million in guaranteed money as a 19 year old to come back to Penn state. I think that says a lot about the future of the program. I'm not a big CJF fan and my old tweets will be proof of that. So, and that was a kind of another reason why I deleted my Twitter. I was sick and tired of seeing him tweet, but he's a hell of a recruiter, but he's a horrible in-game manager. So I think that will kind of always come back to bite us in the ass for these bigger games. I mean, Ohio state and Michigan, we can never seem to beat them. So until we can beat them, I mean, is the Rose ball, the pinnacle? Yeah, that's yeah. So like I, I'm, I'm kind of I'm in the same boat. I mean, I wasn't CFP or bust before this season, knowing the coach and the quarterback. But you, you have to be encouraged by the progress of the offensive line. You have to be encouraged by the two freshmen running back. Uh, you hope that Drew Aller next year can you know increase your quarterback play or improve your quarterback play maybe not right away but i mean he's going to get thrown into it i think we have west virginia pretty early in the year um mm-hmm. not that that's like a crazy tough game but it's not going to be like the four cupcakes and then the conference play right like he's going to get some some true run early so you, you hope that that he's an improvement over clifford when he kind of hit, hits his apex um and yeah they, they continue to recruit well the defense is always serviceable um but yeah, before the year for me, I had I had them at eight and four, so that was a little uh-huh. off. And and I'll I'll take the Rose Bowl. I'll take t- I'll take ten wins. I'll take the Rose Bowl. You get if you you get a, a win in this game against a tough Utah team. I mean, I had Utah in my my top four preseason. Uh, they lost opening week to Florida, tough tough road game to open the season non conference, uh, and then they go on to to beat USC twice, who who was kind of the darling of the Pac twelve. And they win the championship. Mm-hmm. So you you get a win at the Rose Bowl. You know that what that does for recruiting. You know what it does for kind of the vibe of the program. But to me, I think ten wins should be like the norm. Like we sh- we should be winning ten games, whether it's a, a down year, or a tough year. Like nine to ten game win or nine to ten win seasons should be the norm. And then in the fourteen playoff format, like making that like once every three, five years, like that's, that's what it should have been. And mm-hmm. we're not, we're never going to know if that's what it was because now we're going to go to this 12 team playoff in two years and we should have a great shot at that. Like now that that's legit playoff or bust every year, like top, top 12. 
it, it has to be at that point. But at the same time, you got to think, right? You were, you mentioned it, I think, a couple of days ago. Alabama, Georgia, USC, there's a couple of five, six programs that are going to be a lock to be the top 12 every year. So you're not going to really have that disparity that I think a lot of other people want. But it is what it is. Yeah. Either you're first or you're last, right? So you got to catch up. I think it's tough. Like, everybody's got an opinion about this expansion. Um, and I just kind of am of the belief, like, I'm, I'm going to keep it simple. Like, I'm not going to get on here and talk about being a traditionalist or, you know, college football is being ruined. I mean, you, you, we have no control over all this shit that's going on. So, like, I'm going to take the positive out of it. We're going to get more top 12 matchups and more games in December and January from college football. Like, how is that not a good thing? I'm not worried about revenue or NIL or the transfer portal, which is a complete shit show. Like, I'm not worried about that. That's out of my control. We're going to get more more games and potentially more upsets uh, and, and new faces. So, so if you can't put them in in a 14 playoff, you put them in a 12, and then if, if they pull the upset, the teams that aren't the Bamas and the Georgias, and they make a run, like, that's great. That's exciting. I, I mm-hmm. think it'll be great to see. More money, more opportunities, you know. You're going to see more schools getting better facilities, and it's just going to up the overall performance. So wouldn't be surprised if the NCAA and, like, the football aspect branched off and created, like, their own company, you know. I think it's bound to happen. Yeah, it's 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 trending in a, in a crazy direction, but I'm, I'll never complain about more primo matchups in college football and you know we talk about the playoff let's talk about this year's playoff we obviously have the top four set that was announced on sunday afternoon the georgia bulldogs are in at number one that was no surprise michigan in at number two that was no surprise tcu holds strong after losing uh in overtime by a field goal to the kansas state wildcats in the Big 12 championship game, they, they they hold their third spot, and Ohio State at 11 and one, who sat home and did nothing on conference championship weekend, uh, gets rewarded with the notch up to number four. So we'll have Georgia against Ohio State. We'll have Michigan TCU on New Year's Eve. Um, what are your thoughts on the rankings, the matchups? Do, do you do you think the committee got it right? There's been a lot of talk about that. I agree with them for the most part. However, I don't – I couldn't keep TCU at three personally. Wow. I, I think they, they had everything in front of them and they blew their opportunity. So I would have had – I would have re- removed TCU from my, my top four. And who would you have slid in? I mean, I hate to say it, but I think Bama. I mean, if you're on a neutral site, does Bama beat them by double digits? It's tough to say this year. Like, Bama didn't look like themselves, but you give Nick Saban a month to prepare for somebody uh, with the pedigree that he has, the pedigree that that program has, I'm sure they would blow the doors off of TCU. But I think the committee got it right. Like, people want to talk about, well, is it the best four teams? But I think, like, the point, the fact of the matter is, is, like, if you're just going to put the best four teams in by, like, the eye test or the roster, then like why even play the regular season? Why even play conference championship week? So I, I see, I see both sides, but I think the situation as it played out, like the committee did what they had to do. Yeah. And and, I mean, it's pretty, pretty obvious that it's going to be a Georgia Michigan final. You think so? I think so. Yeah. The The thing that kills me is like, and I don't know if it's because I'm on Twitter or I'm, I'm on the boards uh, re- reading up what, what other teams' fans are saying, but, like, these Ohio State people, like, thought that they, they should they should be in no matter what, and they, they think that they're ready to win the national championship. I mean, they didn't really play anybody all year. I get they blew everybody out. Their best player's out. It's Smith and Jigba. He, he announces that he's out for the playoff and he's going to the draft. And they 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 sat home on, on championship weekend, um, and I get I get Bama did too, and in, in Tennessee and everybody, but like I don't, and even like the analysts, they're like this Ohio State team, like 
they got a second lease on life. Well, yeah, they did get a second lease on life because Michigan literally murdered them in their building uh, in the 12th and last game of the season. So I'm happy that TCU stayed at three. I'm happy that Ohio State gets Georgia and gets the best team. Uh, I'm a little surprised Mm -hmm. at the line. It's only Georgia by six and a half at the moment. We'll see where it goes. But, like, if people are betting that early, like, I feel like all the stiffs are going to just hammer Georgia. Uh, I I haven't bet it. I'll bet it on New Year's Eve or as we get closer. Uh, So that line kind of throws me for a loop. But, like, there would bring bring so much joy. It would bring so much joy to my life if Ohio State just got absolutely – manhandled and blown the hell out uh, after this appearance. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe last time we were at the Rose Bowl, when we were at that bar in Santa Monica, didn't we watch Ohio State get blown out? Was that by Clemson? It sounds right. I'd have, I'd have to check it that year. That was the year we finished fifth. I think they... I think they got absolutely worked. Yeah, and ba- that year. Bama played Washington, and then Ohio State played yes. Clemson. Yeah, I think yeah, I remember it being a bloodbath. So hopefully we get a repeat of that this year. They've really gotten like the benefit of the doubt in a lot of these these years of the playoff. And don't get me wrong, there it's it's a great program. It's a program I wish Penn State was as good as, and it, everything like that. Um, doesn't mean I can't can't hate them, um, but like yeah. You sat, you sat at home, and you you wanted to be above TCU, and you you think that you got a legitimate shot. It's just like very odd to me, and and I could be proven wrong. And E. Crow, it's a talented team, um, but I I had to bring this to light as well. I texted Bomb this morning, like, hey, I know I know you're out tonight, but is there anything you want me to bring to light? And he's, you know, he's always deep diving and scheming up, you know, little uh, little thoughts. And he's like, you got to talk about the Jackson Smith and Jigba announcement that he's forgoing the playoff and entering the draft. And I don't know if you saw the announcement on his Instagram or his social media handles, but he dropped the announcement yesterday, Monday, after the release of the top four. Uh, and Bomb believes that that was a coordinated effort with Ryan Day and the program to lead the committee to believe that he was going to be back and play in these playoff games or this playoff game and maybe give Ohio State a better chance. Um, yeah. I think that that could have legs, but I also think that I don't know that the committee is really evaluating teams based on like injuries because if you saw Nick Saban at halftime of the Big Ten Championship, he was on there begging for a playoff spot and saying how Bryce Young was banged up and Anderson was banged up. So mm-hmm. I don't think that's really what the committee is looking at, but I, I totally hear what he's saying and, and could see that they were like, yeah, don't announce this until we actually get into the playoff. Yeah, I mean, I never really thought of that, but I completely, I completely see Bomb's point there. I mean, it doesn't hurt to hold on to that information, right? And it can only hurt you if you release it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I see that. I think the committee did what they had to do. I think it was great that they left TCU at three. They lost it in overtime by a field goal to a team they'd already beat in a conference championship on a neutral field. It's not a bad loss. You look at Ohio State, they lost their biggest game of the year at home. They got blown out. They got manhandled. They mm-hmm. got embarrassed, whatever you want to call it. There there, there was no no way in my mind that Ohio State should have jumped them. And it just happened to be that like this was a year where there was nobody else deserving of the spot. You could make the argument mm-hmm. for Alabama, but, hey, you shouldn't have lost two games. And Tennessee had a disqualifying exactly. loss to to South Carolina, and then who are you looking at after that? So that's exactly it, right? I I think they got it right. Uh, I th- I'm with you. I think it, I think it's Georgia Michigan, which would be a rematch of last year's se- semifinal. But I I wouldn't sleep on, on TCU not to win it. I don't think they could beat a Georgia, but I think they'll give Michigan a tough game. Uh, you know, Purdue gave Michigan kind of a, t- a tough fight in the Big Ten Championship. The score didn't indicate it, but that was a close game for a while. Uh, Michigan struggled with Illinois earlier in the year. So TCU, that kid Duggan, um, he plays his heart out. He's a winner. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he needed a freaking oxygen tank after the, the tying drive in that Big 12 Championship in the fourth quarter. So I think that'll be a good game. And 
I'm thinking Georgia blowout. That's what I want to see. But when, whenever I get that kind of feeling or or that kind of attitude, I'm usually wrong. So we'll have to see see how it comes along uh, in the coming weeks. But yeah, we've got the playoff is set. The Knits are headed to the Rose Bowl. Do you want a bit of farewell to, to Sean Clifford uh, and thank him for his service? I've seen a lot of uh, posts on social media about how legendary his career was. I mean, six years, man. That's almost as long as Evan was at Virginia Tech. So <laughs> could accomplish a lot, you could, could accomplish a lot in that time period. Now, I, I mean, Clifford's the. He's done his time, man. I mean, he's he's being a good mentor to some of these younger guys. But I mean, you just sometimes in life you just got to move on. So good luck in the future, Sean. But I'm I'm excited not to see you playing for Penn State on Saturdays anymore. It's uh, yeah, that's 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 the nice way to put it. We appreciate that, Bob. Uh, I mean, any anything else to get to? This is uh, this is your this is your yeah. one shining moment. You got you got any dirt on me? You want the people to know about any good stories about me? Uh, we went to Arizona a couple weeks a couple weeks ago. I, I shared kind of my my airport struggles. Um, you always bag on me for never traveling and that I've only flown like three times in my life. Um, but anything from that trip we got to share? No, I was cracking up when you called yourself Bubble Boy. I mean, you're just stuck in your ways, kid. I love it. Don't change. Uh, it's great. So. You be you. I I think I, I think I gotta share the story, man. We we talked we talked Which we one? talked about it offline. We we said we we aren't gonna name names, but I th- I think it, I think it warrants to be shared. We we leave the people with a little something special and experience we shared. Uh, for one of our loyal listeners, bachelor parties in Arizona a couple weeks ago, and uh, you know like like men do on bachelor parties. Uh, they, they may frequent a local, uh, enter, adult entertainment joint and we're not going to name names, but there were folks in the group that did attend a local establishment, uh, late in the evening or the early morning. Uh, and the, 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 the funny part of the story, well, let's, let's tell the story first and then we'll, we'll tell the funny part. But so the story is. Some of these fellows get there, and they, you know, it's late. There, there are a bunch of issues with, with the establishment, but we, we don't need to get into that. So they're there, and you know how it is in these places. You, you sit down, you, you know, you're ready to give some money, have a good time, have a couple of drinks, nothing crazy, except for you know so, some of the guys. And so one of the one of the fellows has this lady come up, sit on his lap and try to give him further business. Um, trying to, trying to speak this like somewhat correctly without getting too, too grueling. But I think most, most guys, most listeners will catch the drift, right? They, they come up to you. Hey, do you want to, you want to do this? It costs this, blah, blah, blah. So this guy turns, turns the girl down. He's just there to have a couple drinks and maybe throw a few dollars and get on with his night. So the girl gets up, and there's always that one guy in the group, right? The one guy that gets suckered in. So she somehow, this girl, there was a group of maybe five or six that were there, right? And this uh-huh. this girl on tr- attempt number two finds the sucker, and she sits down on the sucker's lap, and within 90 seconds, you could say, yeah. the sucker is is on his feet. He's reaching into his pockets. Uh, and he's headed back uh, to a different area of the establishment um, for further evaluation. And you know th- this this fellow ends up having a late night, uh, a large tab. There were forms that had to be signed. There were fingerprints that had to be given. Uh, and yes, there was a, a very large regretful tab. Uh, that, that that was executed and signed. So the, the next day we all we all go golfing or no the next day we're we're at the house in the morning, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and our buddy Peter goes, Yeah, he was he's talking about the guy that that stayed late, did his own thing, right? Went with the girl. He says yeah, that was the guy that was telling me not to get suckered in by them and not not to go into the back and, and give my credit card. 
and sign the forms and whatnot. So, so the guy that was preaching all of this didn't practice what he preached. He got popped for a huge tab, and then we're on the golf course, and I, and I'm me and you are playing with with the guy, and mm-hmm. the guy. We're like we're on like the back nine, and it's it's a long weekend. We've been drinking, we're tired, we're worn out, we're blowing cash. And he says to me, "Oh, I feel terrible about what I did last night. Like I spent way too much money. <laughs> I spent way too much money. I shouldn't have done that. It's like post drunken anxiety to the max." So I said to him, "Like, aren't you the guy that told Peter, like, hey, don't get suckered into going back there. Like, they're gonna take all your cash and take your credit card and run it up." And he just goes, oh, I know. <laughs> like that, that, that was literally it. So moral of the story, one, practice what you preach. Two is if you are going to fancy those joints uh, on bachelor parties, you know, stick together, stick with the boys, uh, and j- just, you know, spend what you're comfortable with and, and ha- have a good time. I think that's kind of the bottom line. Did I miss anything with that? I was pretty spot on. I think the only thing you missed was the buddy who went back in the room for a very short duration of time. <laughs> oh man, that's that's a good zinger. Um, now, ho- hopefully, the people will enjoy that story, uh, and and we'll wrap things up. We'll obviously thank our sponsors at Menard Premium Detailing. Bob, you've had you've had a vehicle or two serviced by Menard, haven't you? It does an excellent job. Yeah, Grant's the man handles all your needs couldn't couldn't recommend it anymore yeah menard premium detailing warminster pa um you, you guys know the drill and we have a uh a first-hand account uh of the services there so we'll save the rest of the read uh bob any parting words thank you mikey i appreciate the opportunity to get on your platform it's great to see your success and kind of your baby and and how much pride you take into this though. So thank you for allowing me to share some laughs and and for being your New York scumbag in your (laughs) life. So uh, I'll leave you with that. Let's go Mets and uh, hope you hope everyone has a good one. Thanks Bob. Appreciate the kind words. Uh, We appreciate you coming on. You're always, always welcome back. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, my boy, Mr. Bob party. Uh, thanks again. We'll ask everybody to share this podcast. Bob, you got to share this podcast with, uh, you know, maybe some fellow New Yorkers. I know we have some, some local New Yorkers that so often frequent this podcast. I think they'll be, they'll be thrilled uh-huh. to hear, uh, from one of their native folks. Uh, but yeah, let, let the people know, uh, that, that you, you were on the world's most famous, uh, podcast and we'll go from there. Uh, we'll thank everybody for listening. We'll thank our insightful guest, Bob Party. We'll look forward to Eagles-Giants on Sunday, and we'll talk to everybody next week. Peace. Peace.